enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is brought to you by Prevenex. They sponsor every episode. I could not be more proud of that because they are just such a wonderful brand, wonderful company that I trust implicitly at this point. I've been using them now for exactly one year. So I ran an eight-mile run this morning. It was a four by one mile at roughly marathon pace. And I was lucky to kind of progress through like the last mile was faster than the first. I was really excited. And I did what I always do after a long run like that. I come in the door. And the first thing I do is I grab my Neurofi Plus shake from Prevenex because not only is it a protein powder, it's gluten-free, it's vegan, and it is packed with nutrients. I know that it is the best thing that I can put in my body as soon as I come in the door because while you know, natural food and you know, filling up on all that goodness is absolutely the best thing you can do for your body. Sometimes, especially when you got kids and you live a busy life, you just don't have time to make that big meal as soon as you come in from your run. And I certainly didn't. But what I did have time for was to make this awesome shake, scarf it down, and then get to the kids. And I was so excited for that. And I was so happy to have that available to me. So you can go check out Prevenex at Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V. I-N-E-X.com and use code RUNNER15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order. Today's episode is a little different. I got my friend, Peter Bromka. You might know him. He was on the show a year ago. We had an emotional episode. It went very well in terms of the um, just the reaction that Peter got. He is just a wonderful runner who's done amazing things. This episode is a little different because this one isn't about Peter. It was Peter and I basically having this kind of conversations that we normally have. We talk all the time and we want to talk about a couple things. Uh, first of all, it was election week and no matter who you voted for, it was a very stressful and anxious week just waiting and waiting and waiting. And that stress can just weigh on you from an athletic perspective. I know a lot of people felt that way. I know I did. I know Peter did. And we were excited to talk about just what that feels like, that stress and how it affects our running and how we can get through it and how we can have to just some, sometimes deal with it. Uh, we also talked about the running landscape from a race perspective, uh, what it's going to look like over the coming six to eight months or so as we're heading into uh, an Olympic year, I know a year later than we expected. And in addition to that, things like the Marathon Project out in Arizona, who has an unbelievable field. We talked a lot about that as well. So this was just kind of like a state of the running world type episode, but I I love Peter. I love talking with him about so many things. And today was no different. So let's get into it with Peter Bromka. All right. We are welcoming back Peter Bromka to the show. Peter, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. This is a very different situation than last last time you came on. It was one of the most emotional, heartfelt you know, conversations that I've ever had uh, oh. involving running. This is the exact opposite from a tender <laughs> perspective, at least in terms of our own running lives. Um, you know, our last conversation was a little over, a little, I said, a little under a year ago. And I know it connected with so many people. I'm excited to talk with you about a wide variety of topics. Today is just someone who you and I send text messages back and forth all the time about all sorts of things. So I was like, you know what? Let's just get Peter on the show because there's a lot of stuff happening in the running universe. And we're having these conversations anyway. So let's yeah. just do it with the mics going. Yeah. And, you know, as the fall has been happening, I've really been almost reminiscing about what last fall was like. And um, it's like giving me a little bit of nostalgia for the mission that I was on. And everything we talked about last time is kind of fresh in my mind. 
even though it's been such a different year and we're all having a very different life. So yeah, excited to connect again. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that too, because it wasn't what I was going to bring up first. So I'll get there in a second. But one thing that I wanted to touch on was something that you did a post about on Instagram. I think it's just like a day and a half ago. And it was something that I know a lot of people connected with. And it was something that I felt as well. You know, basically, you know, right now we're talking as Joe Biden is speaking to the nation. So it's a little <laughs> different than when we planned our conversation a day ago. But for most of this week, so many people, basically, no matter who you voted for, were all unified under this uncertainty oh, uh, yeah. about what was going to happen in the election. And I know for me, it was like such a wild week in terms of like staying up late, the nervous energy surrounding it. Like I saw other people like their their resting heart rate for going up like 10 beats per minute, like for like <laughs> four straight days. Yeah. And like, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. And it was definitely impacting other areas of my life. Like, were you like, tell me how, what your experience was during those four or five days um, of just kind of like waiting everything out. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I feel like this year has taught me what this year has taught me is to really ground myself in that idea that some runners, some ultra runners talk about, which is like stress is stress. And as athletes, we like to think like we like to compartmentalize and put one stress over here and say, that doesn't matter for this other stress. Um, but I went out on even Tuesday and was like, huh, my heart just seems a little bit like I am on edge and this is a little bit harder. And then I had luckily scrapped my Wednesday workout just knowing I was probably going to be up late. Um, I saw you did a workout and I was just blown away. I I woke up on Wednesday, just couldn't believe that someone could go out and push hard because I it just felt like my body was pushing hard just to um, – basically what it is is you're not treating yourself well. You're sitting in a very tense situation and you're bombarding your senses with – and this is what I try to think through is like maybe you're taking care of the hydration and the nutrition – but from an athletic perspective, you're just like not, you know, going to the place that treats you the best um, because you're totally transfixed by something else. Um, and so this year has taught me that because, I mean, I think I thought I had COVID, which I have never had in, you know, May and June because my running was just total crap. Um, and so this week has been tough, but I at least had some precedent to think about, okay, I've had some other tough weeks this year where my body wasn't responding the way I was used to it responding. And I've been able to at least make the most of whatever I can do that week. Yeah. Friend of the program. Uh, and now just friend period at this point, David Roche talks about that all the time that like, you know, stress is stress. It doesn't matter where it's origin or how it's seeping into your body. And it's funny. That's like, that's how I felt like for me, it hit me today. So I had, you're right. I didn't do workout on Wednesday, but it's funny because I have normally Mondays are my day off from running. And then I had an unplanned, unscheduled day off on Tuesday. Um, no real reason for it. I just took one. I, I was, I was going to get my run in the morning and then things just kind of spiraled out of control. Um, so I was coming off of two off days. So I think my Wednesday workout, while Tuesday night was an extremely late night, I think that just like anyone who's had like a late night before a race, like one late night isn't going to really impact you. Um, but what I think for me, it hit today. So today was like an easy run. And I've run throughout the week, all easy runs after the Wednesday workout. And 
know, they, they've been kind of they've been fairly normal, but I could tell it was a little off today. I had like a five mile easy run and I walked twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was like, it wasn't even like super early. It was at like 11 o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was primed. I was ready to go. I had the nutrition. <laughs> like there was no excuse. But it was, it was funny because I was actually listening to Courtney DeWalter's conversation with Allie Feller. And I'm listening to a woman who just ran like almost 300 miles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, last month. And I'm talking, listening to her talk about it. And I'm like, I can't even get to mile three right now. I need to walk. And, <laughs> but then like, I had this conversation in my mind because I knew that we were going to talk about this stuff of like, it finally hit me like those super late nights, um, the overall stress and all that. But I will say, I think some, someone like Courtney has proven to be the best at just riding that line and never going over, but also holding herself right to the line where she's able to kind of shuffle run and then run and then walk. And then um, she's the best at doing it forever. Um, and that's sometimes us casual people who run like, you know, six, eight, 10 miles in a day. Um, we just think we should run all the way through it. But I'm definitely inspired by those people who go. I mean, I can't even make sense of Courtney. I'm a marathoner and I can't make sense of what she does, but I, I'm definitely inspired by how well she knows what she can do in any given moment. And maybe that's sort of what we're talking about is like actually taking stock of not just being tough about it and barreling through it. Because I mean, the things she takes on, if she's tough about it, she'll just kind of bomb out at day two, day three. And by day five, day six, she goes into these things and it's beyond anything I can imagine. Yeah. And you also have to wonder just the experience of going through it. Like you and I, and you have run far, you know, many more miles than I have and certainly have run them much faster than I have. But I think for the vast majority of runners, when they get to those sticky spots, like it's usually pretty close to the end of the run. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whether it was the end of the scheduled run or they're like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Um, and whereas like where someone like her and again, she's she's paramount. Like She's number one all time. Oh, with this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like she's incredible. just like what she did at Moab, what she's doing with this stuff. And it's like, she's gone through those periods of time so many times where it's like, she's probably like made friends with that feeling. Whereas like, for me, it's like, it's like a, it's a day ender. Like for her, it's like, all right, I'm just getting started. Yeah. Like we showed up to the party. Yeah. These things are all relative and they're like, we're all learning them on our own level. And I, that's what I try to remember. I have this amazing memory from my, I had a teammate in college and he was running more than any of us. And he, it was like the summertime and he came in from a run and we all knew he was running more than us. And he was going to run over a hundred miles that week. And we all knew it. And it was a big deal. And he came in and we said like, are you over a hundred this week? And he walked in the door, he grabbed a bottle of olive oil and chugged for like one or two seconds. And then like took it off his mouth and he was like, it's all relative. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. and i was like I, I, I like this is a in my mind a crazy man but like i think back to that crazy thing he was doing like running over 100 miles chugging olive oil and i'm like that's sort of how i try to think when i put in perspective what people can do in ultra marathon what people can do um you know running mileage i've never touched or running paces i've never touched and like that's where it helps me put in perspective that you know we're all doing this somewhat similarly if we're really like if we're pushing and like we are right right now we're all it's it's a crazy time in our country and it's a it's just like we're talking about um i posted because i've i found that you know the responses to posts like that have been really meaningful for other to, i know i have received benefit from when other people have posted like 
today's this week has been a tough week um if you're feeling down it's not just you and i you know beat myself up a little bit less and so i thought you know today was a weird run maybe i'll someone else would benefit from me mentioning that Right. And like, I'm sitting here talking about like, hey, like getting, you know, becoming friends with that feeling. But it's different. Like if you're someone who is kind of approaching a race. So I was talking to one of my runners uh, who I coach earlier, you know, a couple of days ago and they were having trouble because like, you know, they were going to go for their workout. And it was like, you know, like half mile in. They're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not even doing it. You know what I mean? This is and this is not yeah. someone who does that sort of thing. You know what I mean? And like for them, it was like this crisis moment of like, what's going on? What's going on? And you're sitting there and like, I remember talking to her about it. And it was like that feeling of like, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I, this things aren't right. And like, you know, we think we've all been there with like a race day is approaching. And for her, it's a marathon where like a couple days, things don't go well. And like, it's so easy to that fall in that trap of like in the moment of like, now er, nothing is going well. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like training is falling off and, and it's like, as an outsider, it's so easy to point to and be like, Oh, you were great on Saturday and you were really good on Monday too. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is just like, this is just the, the, the stress of the moment as opposed to this, you know, holistic, you know, mental, physical and emotional failing, but it's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. One workout definitely doesn't uh, signal where you are in your whole training block, but it can be very hard. And I mean, I have talked about this before, but I'm very fortunate to have friends who are training partners. And even as I've attempted to get back into shape, sort of more proper form this fall, um, I have benefited greatly from just being meeting up with friends. We sort of we've done it in this sort of new world we're in, kind of like small groups staying somewhat distant from each other and just saying, I trust these individuals. And then really like not feeling great on warmups, but saying, I'm going to try to hang on for parts of, or as long as, as many of these intervals as I can. And that is a heat for me personally, has been a huge unburdening of, um, if I tried to do the same workout alone, I know that I would get way down on myself and think I can't do this. But when you're saying, what if I just try to stay with these friends a little bit longer? Um, it's not a benefit that everyone can have, but it allows me to really break through. I literally feel like I push away all of the self-judgment and um, just like doubt that I have about what I'm capable of. And then I'm able to just try to put in six or try to put in seven reps um, and then just stop. Um, and there's really no judgment if you stop early because the fitter people go longer, but um, it's that idea of like benefiting from running with a friend because it's almost like having a witness to your own self doubt and your own like psychological, you know, worry It's just having someone else there to say like, Hey, let's go. And you go, okay, let's try. Right. And I would assume that you'd also benefit from the reverse of being the person who like is watching your friend go through one of those days and be like, Oh yeah, man. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you had that day like three weeks ago. Like, I'm having that day today. You know what I mean? And, and it brings that whole all relative thing into like a different context, but also with that same feeling because you're like, hey, it's all going to hit. You know, we're not all going to have great days. And you can just, instead of it being that outspoken thing, like you can just feel it within the group. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, we, we often joke about how the good news is that like everyone's been there's been some sort of rotation on who's having a bad day because you'll go through a couple of weeks and everyone kind of 
just hangs back in one of the workouts, but someone else else is feeling good. And so as a, as a whole, you still end up with that someone out front, someone in the middle, someone in the back, and it really doesn't matter. Um, I shared on my newsletter a couple of weeks ago, like the NN running team with Elliot Kipchoge, they posted about sort of their speed sessions and just showed how like, these are the best runners in the world. And they're just like, you can tell in their tone of voice, they're scared about their speed sessions that they do every week. Um, and they're talking, being interviewed about the thing that they do every week on Tuesdays. And they're, they don't seem that comfortable with it. And they put in some of the best, you know, they both put in some of the best workouts you could ever imagine that any of us mortals could imagine. And also they, they have a really nice way of like 10 guys or 10 women will work out together and they trade off the lead. And so it's really not about the American style of like the, I think of the American style as like the, the most fit person really breaks off the front halfway through and they they show how capable they are and how fit they are. So this is just, you know, they trade the lead and you try to, they're both pushing the pace, but they're also not um, trying to one up each other. Um, And that was really inspiring to me from a sense of like, these guys get in the best shape of anyone in the world. And they do it by just sort of consistently putting in the work, not breaking each other on any given one day. Now, a year ago when you were, you know, pushing hard for an OTQ and being very public about it uh, over like the preceding 18 months or so, did you ever have one of those periods of time um, maybe it was a few days, maybe it was longer than that, where you felt like the same sort of or a similar kind of stress on your body that like maybe a lot of people felt this week. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm writing about the two year, I'm writing an essay about the two year lead up to two year attempt to get the OTQ. And when I look back at my notes and the, you know, sort of journaling I did, what I realized is it would probably honestly be right about now both years i was just sad like i i'm a very positive and excited person you can probably tell um but like early november late october early november i would be almost on the borderline of depressed and almost in tears because i was beating my body just to pretty much within an, to within an inch of what it could handle um just fatigued and i think that's very analogous to a pandemic plus a contentious you know election on top of each other and you just think i'm tired and i know my body can technically handle this running but psychologically um you know it's like anything maybe if i slept like 13 hours a day i would be okay right, um, right. but like n- none of us are doing that so we're like i i have in my notes does your like, child not read your blog i mean come on Peter. <laughs> yeah <laughs> when, when, when is this gonna happen yeah, I texted a friend last week and I was like, my son might be old enough to maybe sleep through the time change, but I know your son isn't. So I really feel bad for you because <laughs> two-year-olds really don't care about daylight savings. Um, and so, yeah, it's this thing of, I I think about, it was always this, it's a, like that thing of a, a plane dive bobbing towards the ground and you just try to pull up, pull up, pull up. And some people just like run their plane straight into the ground before a marathon. Um, and you know, five weeks out from a marathon, I would often feel just sad, um, because I was just so tired all the time. And that makes you irritable. That makes you, you know, um, you end up, I was saying to a friend the other day, like, I know when I'm tired or I'm dehydrated because I'll snap at my son and then just think like, what is going on? That's not who I want to be or what I intend to be. Why did I say that? Um, it's typically I'm tired or 
dehydrated or hungry, you know, like th- simple things, but they, they add up on you. Yeah, no, I bet. And did you ever have beyond the physical fatigue? Did you ever have due to the public nature of the endeavor, the mental and emotional fatigue from coming from that angle? Or was that the other way? Or was that more cathartic to put it out there? Yeah, well, there was a point, I'd say last year when I, so the first year I went for it, um, I'd run 223. And I said, I wrote burn the boat, and I was going for it for the year. And when I hit that psychological, the, the, the physical fatigue, I got really down on myself because I thought like, well, I put this goal out there, but what if I'm not capable of that goal? And like, what if I fail from the first step? And what if I, um, the whole thing, like I, what if I technically PR, but everyone sees it as a failure. And it just felt like I was really wrestling. Uh, I have a post, I think I posted about that time in the, uh, early November, 2018. And I was just like, what if it's all for not, um, the, it can't be that sub 223 means nothing. And yet, like I've said to everyone, it doesn't mean anything in terms of this goal because the goal is to go after it. Um, and I know that's how my friends feel about a BQ. Like they find themselves being like, what is this? 20 minutes ago, it feels like I was just happy to be a runner who was a marathoner. And now all I care about is a BQ. And if I don't hit a, hit the BQ, like I'm a failure. Um, it's It's a tough thing to make sense of because both are true kind of like you're more capable than you've ever been. And yet um, the goal means a lot to you and it's personal on all sorts of levels that you have made sense of, or your friends there are, or your family. Um, and so, yeah, definitely it weighed on me. The I would say the benefit I had is I went for the OTQ two years in a row. And so the first year it really weighed on me. And by the second year, it definitely weighed on me. Um, <laughs> It weighed on me actually after our conversation. When you and I did a podcast, it was a few days after I missed it, the OTQ. And it was super emotional. And I was going through this journey of like, what does it all mean? Should I even try again? And then I was a couple of a couple of days out, a couple of weeks out from Houston. And I hit this thing of like, I was like, I'm gonna go to Houston. Um but, you know, you and I probably like, we listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of content out in the world and it's all about process. It's all about fall in love with the process. That'll get you to great heights. You know, don't focus on the outcome. And I just said to my wife, like, this is about the outcome. Like from a process perspective, I've been doing it for two damn years and it's gone really well and I've loved it and yada, yada, yada. I've made friends. I've made, I've connected to an amazing community globally, but now it's just about the outcome. Um, and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but man, is it about the outcome because you can reach a point where you've done so much process that that's the only thing that will get you to the next day. But, oh man, um, you got to get that outcome. And so that, that definitely weighed on me and it put me right in this window where I, I could talk to you for hours about how it's all about process and lifestyle and like loving the moment you're in, but man, at some point you got to like shut up and do it. Um, so that was, that was tough. Um, and the only thing that got me through it was like time passed and it was time to race again. Yeah. Right. And I, and I hear that. And it's so funny because now, like I think about not only you, but all of the people who kind of experienced something similar at the trials. Oh yeah. Right. Someone like say like Jared Ward. Oh, right. Or Scott Fauble yeah. or Des Linden or, you know I mean? Just, I mean, Sarah Hall, I would say Sarah Hall, but 
considering what she just did in London, I think that's that probably that, <laughs> that that hill has been climbed. You know what I mean? Like she just did something that was simply amazing. And, a bit, but I think that. So, I, guess, yeah. I guess my feeling is like for that group, including you, that feeling of like I need to get back to it, but then all of a sudden that outlet's not there. Oh yeah, and it's like all right, like obviously the best way here is through. So you're not going to dwell on it necessarily, especially if you feel like there's unfinished business, um, which maybe you don't feel that way. But I know like for, say, th- those folks, there there is that feeling of like, all right, like I had so much into this and now like, what do I do now? Um, and maybe Des on the outside of that considering her career. But Yeah, I don't know. You know certainly is- I, I mean, I think it's – I think what I've come away from the OTQ journey realizing is that it's not all one way or the other. Um Des Linden's career will have a whole variety of moments in it. Um, and she's had some real high highs and some definite lows. And some of her recent stuff has been, I mean, man, I was standing on the bridge with like a thousand meters to go when she was in fourth. And the I, I'm a huge fan of the first three women who were ahead of her. So you're like, I'm cheering for them. And then I'm like, come on, Des, like you got to go. And it's, you want to give everything to that person. And at the same time, you know, like, you know, she's giving everything. So, um, so I think it's hard for us to like only cast people's state into one side or the other. It's obviously both. And so what we, you know, hope for them is, and for ourselves is that there will be another chapter. And I think that that's been the hardest part about this indefinite, um, wait for when will we compete again? Um, I know I suffered from, a lot of frustration in the late spring, early summer, which was less like, okay, I've really spent the last, I realized I've spent the last six years in the fall, just focusing on preparing for a marathon. So to not do that this fall, you know, is freeing in some ways, but is sad in others. And, and it would be one thing if we knew it would be in the spring or we knew it'd be in the summer for sure. We just, we just don't know. Um, and so we are, it's, I think that's, you look for like, what are the intermediate things that we can do? You know, what's a challenge you can take on or, um, but it's not going to be the same until it's sort of the same again. Um, But I think people are looking for those things. What I look for for myself is like, what actually strikes excitement in me? And it doesn't have to make any sense. You know, it could be, um, you know, just like, running a workout around a park. Um, I have friends who are trying to run a 10 K on the track and that just hasn't inspired me. Um, but I, I like cheers to them who it has. And I know some people have really thrived during quarantine and like chopped their PRs down. And that's been wonderful. I think there's new forms of racing that are emerging again. So I, for me, it always comes back to like, it's going to take all of my emotion and all of my excitement to perform well. So ch- try to trust my gut on that and figure out what I'm going to do next based on that. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, there are so many different outlets for people to get that, right? I know people who have now ventured into the ultra scene because there are plenty of trail races that are happening um, that are kind of naturally socially distanced events. And as long as they kind of manage the start, it really isn't an issue, yeah. right? And there's plenty of like local community races, not like you know, obviously a half marathon marathon is different. We're talking about like more 5Ks more than anything. Um, you know, a lot a lot of local races that are that are happening. I wouldn't say a lot, but some here. You're talking, about, you're talking about the country. Yeah, within, within the entire country, there are quite a few. Um, and then we're seeing this 
now finally uptick in some elite racing. Yeah, right? I've been banging yeah. this drum for I mean for a year now almost, you know, not a year, but basically since March of like we see what's coming with the virus, but that doesn't mean that there can't be elite races. There's a way to figure this out. Um who's going to do it? And we're finally getting that point, right? So I, I definitely applaud London for what they did. That was awesome. They did a great job. Right? That was so awesome. Um, you know, congratulations to them. They had a wonderful race, both the men's and women's side, right? It's just so entertaining how it happened, um, which is wonderful, right? I mean, yeah. from a viewer's perspective. It was real. Obviously, these these major marathons are they are a they are a community event, the running community. Right. Um, but from a spectator perspective, from afar, if you're watching on TV, with all due respect to runners, even like myself, like I'm not there to watch the amateurs. I'm there to see who's <laughs> going to win the race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I'm watching on TV, if, I, if I'm sitting, you know, on Com Ave watching the Boston Marathon, I'm watching the whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now exactly. I'm excited for the whole thing. But as a TV viewer, it's different. So with that being said, we got, you know, Marathon project coming up oh, in yeah. December. And this is so exciting. And then beyond that, we got the Trials of Miles Project 13.1 coming up, shoot, in two weeks in New York. And I think this one's, um, it's, you know, the, the field and all of that is kind of coming into, uh, I think they're kind of figuring that out now um, because it's, you know, it's, it's in New York. So it'd probably be something similar to what we've seen some of the races in and around the New York metro area. They've had a, you know, a whole host of track meets over there um it's so funny like they don't announce where they're going to be ahead of time it's like this <laughs> really secret thing um but this half marathon isn't secret it's in the usatf course it's around rockland lake you know two and a half times and then you know the project marathon which is go basically going to be another version of like the olympic trials in terms of the strength of the field so let's talk about it because this looks really exciting um i guess right before we let's, let's figure out how we're going to dive into it because when I first saw this and then Brooks Hansen put out what they're doing for their half marathon up in Michigan, I thought, first of all, that race is going to be awesome. And congratulations to the winners, uh, Morgan Pearson and Kira D'Amato, both did unbelievably fantastic. Um, but it was also like a, another a chance from a communication perspective, like how how is this going to be viewed? Uh, how am I going to watch this? How is the commentating going to be? And I'm so glad that we had that experience to see what worked and what didn't because the racing was fantastic. But obviously, we're doing this for more than just the racing. It's also going to be about who's going to view it. So what was your takeaways from the Brooks Hansen's event? You know, I really respect Brooks Hansen's and I I just love them as a team. I mean, they're sort of of my era. It came about when I was younger and we were like, who are these guys? And they've just always given so much to the sport. To me, what I saw from what they put on was just, um, it was a bit traditional, for, I would say, for what I would aspire to. So, um, well, first of all, it was on Facebook. I left Facebook for the summer because I was personally not a fan of what I was seeing there. Um, so that's a personal decision. Um, but I, so it's hard. Like, where are you going to broadcast if you're going to, if it's going to be somewhere niche? Um, and are people going to find it? I've been super inspired by, for instance, Take the Bridge. Um, I know Take the Bridge and Orchard Street Runners, really New York City has been innovating on, let's get multiple phones on multiple bikes and have them each have their own Instagram address. And then you can follow the lead runner or the second pack 
um, and you're right there with them. So there was actually a half marathon. I'm blanking on the name of it. It was outside Vegas last weekend on Saturday. And I woke up and was making a cup of coffee and just watched the leaders. I was on the hip. You're not The biker's not allowed to be ahead of the pack because I'd be pacing and I'd be breaking the wind. Um, but, you know, it sounds so simple that it's kind of hilarious that it's innovative. But um, the idea of having a camera that is just a person who knows the content and is right there. I, I mean, I think New York does this a little bit with the, you know, the Dina Caster on a motorcycle um, going through the city of during New York City Marathon. But this is slightly different because the person on the bike was yelling out splits to the runner and you're hearing it. And then they're telling the gap when there was a break, they were, were yelling the back, you're five seconds up. Um, and then even just the idea of like, it's not illegal or maybe it, I think it's not illegal for the, this person was saying like, come on, man, you know, you got half a mile to go, give it your all. And so you just felt like through this feed, you were really, you could hear the guy panting. Um, he was just putting on a surge. He's, re you know, the guy's reading out splits and you're, which is really, you know, raw and real. Like this. How guy does was, this bike not crash doing all of these things? Oh, <laughs> I know. And like, like he's like, this is wild. He's got the he got the he kept the guy in frame. He's he's. I guess he's also looking at his watch. Yeah, if it was a car, you'd be like, that's illegal. Um, but <laughs> right, he's like, yeah, exactly. You're you're running four thirty five pace, and I'm like, he's running four thirty five pace. Like, what is going on? Um, and so it just captures that drama. And so what I hope for the I know the marathon project is they've already done so many amazing things like setting up the course it's going to be covid safe they've created a super uh, an amazing field i hope that they're able these races are willing to innovate on the style of broadcast and the, the storytelling because um like for instance what was it the trials of miles track meet that was hosted a couple of weeks ago i realized of all the track meets i've ever watched they should show everyone on the track they should have multiple cameras and really pan and show not just follow the leader because I had friends who were in the second pack or the third pack or who were last in the field. And I wanted to know how they were doing. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's the how they state. do a NASCAR event. You know what I mean? They, in NASCAR, they have four or five cameras, they're placed and they just go from camera to camera to camera. Obviously this is like a high tech operation that does that, but like, that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. And I just think what we need, there's this like saying in photography of, you know, if you want, to find the story, get closer, get closer. And so it's just like this idea of get, get up in their face, you know, like be, be on the infield and just watch them almost hit the camera, like help convey the drama that you, that you would feel if you were at the race, except for can bring it into the, and so I just, I've gotten a little bit sad during COVID because I've realized now would be the perfect time to truly innovate on some of this stuff because all of it is a little bit weird you know london was amazing and yet it was kind of sad because there was no fans and it was a little bit quiet and it was a little drizzly and so you're like it was wonderful because it um it brought back the best of our sport um, the most elite and at the same time I'm like what if there was just a motorcycle and you were essentially on elite kipchoge's shoulder as he was falling off the pack to see it like that would have been incredible and so i'm i'm hoping that they're willing to um Basically, I think of the, the split sheet or the result sheet that comes out after there's this assumption in track and field that that is worth something um, because we're such nerds that we can look at that and we can extrapolate what the story was or how it unfolded. Um, and I want us to kind of flip it and say, like, what if the there was never really results? Because like um, 
that's not what's important. What if we really showed these in these rich moments that happened along the way? So I'm hopeful that the Marathon Project, I mean, the Marathon Project is like an amazing example of right now, there's nothing on the line. None of these people can qualify for the trials. They're just there to race. I'm, I don't know the details, but like some money and pride and contracts, future contracts on the line. Um, I think it's a perfect, you know, if this was boxing or MMA, they would like have hype videos of like, how's their training going? You know, let's go HBO inside of like their camp. Um, and I, I would just challenge our sport to get a little bit more creative on behind the scenes, because I think that's where things are going and what we want. Otherwise it's just like, Oh yeah, like look at the results. Um, you know, we, we, in your imagination, you can imagine it's they did they had an amazing day, but you you just don't know, right? No, exactly. And it's funny because I have as a media member, I've actually been on some of the email chains, um, not email chains, but some of the emails from um, the people who are running this. It's like, hey, if you want your media credential, um, you know, we'd love to have you there. All that stuff, and it's like because it's so close to Christmas, I'm gonna have to beg off because if I go, then like when I come back to Rhode Island, I would have to like be in quarantine. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, this is yeah. like pretty close to a major holiday for us. So, so, it, so that's tough, but it's interesting. Like they're reaching out to media members. Again, they're reaching out to me. Yeah, that's good. Again, I don't even cover, I don't even cover <laughs> pros. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, it's true, um, true. so I'm sure they're canvassing everybody. They're BCCing everybody. So I'm not sure who else is on these email lists, but if I'm on it, I can guarantee you there's a lot of people on it. Yeah. So that's exciting to see from a, a coverage standpoint, because Say there are a few dozen people who go down there to cover it, which at this point would not be, you know, out of the realm of possibility. You know, you could have, you know, 10 different people's feeds that could be covering this. When you're on this 4.3 mile loop, that's basically an out and back. You're going to see people coming and going constantly. And it would be interesting to see um, exactly how they would do it. I mean, I think on some level it would be like, wait, what's going on? Um, but the, at the other end of the spectrum, it could be really fun to watch it. The other piece here in the Brooks Hansen's group, you could tell weren't excited about starting their um, broadcast this way. They ended it with a lot of drone coverage. Uh. And I thought that was great. Yeah. I think when they went to the drones, that's when it was at its best. Then you can and it'll see be it. interesting to see how the Marathon Project does that because, you know, again, they're really doing this, you know, 4.3 mile loop, which is basically two miles in one direction and then two miles in another direction. So they could do the drones or they could just basically have like two or three different spots where they could just have someone just standing there. And doing the coverage, they have like a three-person crew all standing in different spots, and then cover it that way. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about like, I think our sport, as it comes back to normalcy in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, I hope just like is willing to just you know shake itself up and think a little bit more uh, ex in exciting ways. Because you think about like how people say, like, how do you fill all those hours during a track meet or a uh, or a marathon and then you watch a golf match and it just goes for hours on end and they fill it with all sorts of commentary and all sorts of backstory and going to throw it down to this person. So, I mean, we, they, we do that a little bit, but I just think there could be so much more. I, I know from friends that the technology element is not insignificant. It can get quite expensive for, you know, events that are also already, um, you know, difficult to collect the funds for. So we're at this weird intersection where, the most affordable 
technology is like the mass consumer technology, like an Instagram live or a YouTube live. I know that YouTube, I think, came up to some of the Oregon, the Portland track meets that were hosted in random spots around Oregon secretly um, in order to make sure that the feeds would stay up because, you know, some of these things, it's like, it's again, beyond what I understand, but yeah, it's like, how do you, um, bring in a drone and bring in multiple cameras and bring in the best commentators so that you're saying, this is what a track fan who knows everything would be thinking right now. You know, Scott Fobble's doing this because we think we know he's thinking about this and maybe we're wrong, but like, this is what, that's what makes the tension and the intrigue. Um, and so it's amazing that Sarah Hall was able to kick to second place in front of a camera coming down the home straight. Like that's sort of, if it all lines up like that, that's what you're looking for. Um, right. I mean, you'd see that, you see that in a track meet that would not be abnormal. Yeah. Getting that kind of on the side silhouette coverage in a marathon is extremely abnormal. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, okay, a track meet's fine, but like, could you put the camera on a bike and have the bike literally biking in like lane three and just be in the pack? And I know that's like a little bit messing with the racers, but I, I just, I guess I've reached a point where I'm like, we need to lean more into storytelling and more into broadcasting and a little less out of like just the perfect, not messing with the racer at all. Because I mean, you know, you look at golf, you look at, uh, I don't watch MMA, but I see the highlights and you're like, man, these things are exciting. So like the, a lot of sports cater to inconveniencing the athlete in some manner, you know, miking up an NFL player. You're like, where the hell is that mic? Couldn't they get hurt if they got tackled and the mic got jabbed into their ribs or something but like you know they do it and then you get the audio afterwards and it's hilarious um so i just would love to see more of that type of stuff because i i think it it'd be great if running first and foremost thought of itself as an entertainment platform and then thought okay what could we do to you know bring that to the masses less of like we're just going to do what's perfect for us to perform and then hopefully we catch a glimpse of it yeah, I also wondered if like if you could do with runners as you see like in some car races where you'd have like you know, I don't even know if Bluetooth would work this well. Um, but basically like if you could like see in real time like heart rates yeah. and get that on the screen. You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden it's like these two people are running next to each other and because it's on TV, you don't get anywhere near like the sense of how fast they're going. But if you're like Hey, now this guy's heart rate or this woman's heart rate is like seven beats per minute less than like the person next to them, but they're running the same speed. You can be like, something's about to happen, right? This either person's like, are they going to take advantage of this, of this, you know, of this obvious like potential and obvious because maybe they just run hot and maybe the heart rate's yeah. going nuts. But you know what I mean? Who knows? Things like that. The other thing I think you could think about is like, you know, making up a runner might not get you a whole heck of a lot, but I wonder if you could like mic up coaches. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The Ben Rosario cam where you're like, what he's going to have all these athletes in there. And you're like, I mean, it's, a, it's very personal, but I mean, maybe they could find the line to walk that would allow us to be, I mean, if I was at the event, I would definitely want to like hang somewhere close to Ben and just see what he was doing. I, you know, he'll be yelling for his men. He'll be yelling for his women and just um, maybe they're playing out sort of their strategy of how they're going to approach the 26.2. Um, Again, like if you're following any of the stuff, you're already a geek. So like, how do you give the geeks more of what they love and how do you make it more accessible? 
Right. And I think with that goes to the point of like what you mentioned earlier, you know, the coverage that you talked about watching and consuming, like that was so niche, like no one knew about that. Yeah, You know what I mean? So like, here's this race that has some of the best marathoners in the country, some of them U.S. citizens, some of them not, right? Like you have like, say, Alexi Pappas is going to be running, right? Um, So like basically some of the best people who are training in America will be running this and it'll be interesting to see exactly what kind of coverage we get because the dearth of live sports coverage would lend one to think that like you could probably get a bidding war on this. But at the same time, I'm not sure that there really is one. Like I, I'm looking up right now, like I don't know like what kind of coverage is going to be involved with the Marathon Project. I would guess that we're at the point where like you can't get a bidding war on something that doesn't exist yet. And so like ostensibly speaking, there isn't no one has done these broadcasts in ways that are truly marketable. I mean, I was actually Papas is a great example. Uh Alexi, if I said, Alexi, how should we shoot? I would have them say, like, how should we shoot your race? Where should we be? Starting a week before, starting a week after. You know, she's a master storyteller. And just to say, you know, where should we capture? I I think I'm hopeful as someone who loves the sport that it could become something that would have uh, sort of from a commercial sp- perspective a bidding war eventually. But I know that right now it feels like we're starting at a, yeah, we'll get, we'll get the story out to people who, there's a high burden. So, like, Right now, the burden is on the athlete, on the fan to um, pay for flow track, pay for runner space, and then just hope that you get something that matters to you, Um, as opposed to watching a bunch of commercials for a free feed. I mean, I've heard from people that some of the pro athletes don't like runner, don't like like flow track because their parents have to pay, and they don't get any cut any cut of the, you know, profit. Like if they run for the diamond league, um, you know, they get paid an appearance fee and then their parents, maybe their family members have to have a a subscription to NBC to, to get it. But like they're getting paid to do their job Um, versus if they, if their meat is covered by flow track, their mom, their sister, their aunt has to pay us a monthly fee and then they don't get any money. And you think like, this isn't a you know this is intended to be a professional sport and so it needs to be more creative in how you know it's told and so that people would pay for it. i mean i remember i paid for flow track five years ago when they had a lead up to the trials video for shalane so it was lead up to 2016 trials and they'd gone you know multiple episodes deep with shalane leading up to um to la and i thought like yeah i want to see that and so you you pay for it um and I feel like we're a little bit out of the negotiating seat on that regard. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think the especially now that we're in um, football season, it lends itself to be like, okay, like you know, we have football. Um, so there, there, the the period of time where live sports did, wasn't there is gone. Obviously, you now in in the early spring, all of a sudden, lose live sports central because you had football, you had college football, you had NBA, and you had baseball all going oh, yeah. on at the same time. <laughs> so all of a sudden, there's like there's like too many live sports going on at once. Um, well, now once we get into the winter months, obviously football will still be there. Uh, the NBA looks like they're trying to kick off right around Christmas. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. College basketball is still figuring things out, but either way, 
It's exciting. Yeah. Kudos to Ben Rosario, Josh Cox, and all the rest of the people, especially the runners, to get together to do this. I am so excited. Do you have, again, we don't have any money on this, any early predictions? <laughs> if you had to as, as, say, say, we each pick a man and a woman. We'll have a little, 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 little friendly bet. Who does better? I need to go deep. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to punch and I have to get back to you uh, online because um, people have been so off the map. You know, like there haven't been the lead up races. I, I feel like leading up to it's say, a complete New York. guess. It's a complete guess. It's right? such, a, yeah, like, it's such like, a guess. Like the, like the tenth, the tenth fastest woman in the race is Samantha Recker, who's running two thirty twenty five. And you're like, oh yeah, is she even like running? Like, or is she just like she's a nurse? Like, is she just like yeah. all COVID all the time right now, or is she oh, training? Like, oh. I have no idea. Like, she might be top five. She might lose for all I know. Yeah, she got third at CIM a couple of years ago just by like running so hard um and was so blown away by her performance yeah so some of these people you're like i don't know where they're at and um it'll be i don't know if it'll be a like a shocker you know like where's the um kiara how do you how, how do you pronounce her name i mean she's just like shocking the world um wait is she running i got the list in front of me right now so we got the number one ranked person is sarah hall yeah. Then, uh, Who's shown she can she can come back from you know. Oh, she'll be fine. And she's running her home turf. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um. Then then Kellen Taylor, then Emma Bates. Kellen Taylor. I mean, that's the thing is like no one wanted to. It was only sort of after the fact. It's like the whole world fell apart while we were finding out that Kellen was actually broken at the trials when she finished so high. You know, so yeah. if Kellen's healthy. Yeah, finished top ten uh, with a broken leg. I mean, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, but then she was out at the farm up in. You know, she was at the farm doing Spartan work last week. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so. She's like, I'm. I'm gonna take that as a positive. I for yeah, sure. Yeah, she, Obviously, it's not like normal, good. normal running conditioning, but like it just totally feeds into like Kellen Taylor's the biggest badass in running. Yeah, full yeah, stop. That works exactly. Right, and then like it's, it'd be interesting to see how it happens. So like, the, the, so that's and then so so Stephanie Bruce, Rachel Cliff, Diana Curry. Um, you know, then you kind of go down the list, but you know, a handful of people who broke in two thirty, and then you know, they actually they actually put this out, so they want to see if they can get men under two ten and women under two twenty four. Oh. The men who are on here, let's just go down. A um, lot of lot of two twelve, two thirteens. We got um, Manuel Messel. Uh, I'm butchering some of these names. Uh, Jose Antonio Uribe Marino, then Fauble, Cam Levins. Um, Danielle Musfin. See here, August Mayo, who ran really well at the trials for a long time. He was right up there in that pack, yeah, just absolutely. behind Galen. Uh, Ryan Vale, who I know has, who's been snake bit for a little while here. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing of like all us amateurs are kind of riding this wave of some better months, some worse months, and then you look on Instagram and you realize, oh, like pros are doing the same. So those who are on Strava, you see, like they have their ups and downs as well. So I think I need to leading up to it go a little bit deeper on you can do a strava, actually... strava deep deep dive on all these exactly <laughs> who's ever willing people. to share i will i will stock to my heart's content of uh although the altitude uh, the people at altitude always throw me off you think like how good is that i don't i don't always know my conversions so i like okay, well, cj albertson right now as we're recording this is trying to break the 50k record on the track and he's gonna be doing the oh, marathon dear. project and this is like oh, so dear. his style like if he can combine two races quickly back to back like he did really well at the trials too, after like a pretty quick turnaround. So maybe this is exactly the kind of warm up he needs. <laughs> exactly. So like you look for that breakout and like, who's actually 
just, you know, on fire at the time. That's what I'm hoping. Like that's type of back and forth, the storytelling of like, how are they coming? Because there tends to be this like hiding beforehand, not a lot, too much to too many stories to tell simultaneously on one day. And then a little bit hiding afterwards. And you think, wait, what happened there? I like, I can understand maybe why you didn't want to reveal how you were doing. Cause it played into your psychology. But like, as a fan, I just ended up not knowing regardless. And, you know, um, which to me always means that they're boiling it down. These, these pros are boiling it down to, if I make it on the podium, it'll all be worth it. It'll mean I just had a good day. And I'm like, sure. But from a fan's perspective, you know, we follow these people year in, year out. You look back, you're like, oh man, I've been following this man or this woman for five years now. Um, and I just want to know how they're doing. And I, I want to like, um, it means more to me to know, not like a sob story if they're injured, but like, oh, this is like, this is their me- mentality um, coming into it. I never, I'm not a big boxing or MMA fan, but I've realized in, over the years, like, oh, if, if I was, you know, those are the things that I think we would bring over our sport of like what's going on with this person um and not just sort of like a pre-race press conference like yeah i'm feeling good about tomorrow but um you know i i don't know where these people are coming from that'll make the race really exciting and you know it's like turning on nbc on a saturday and like a it could be you know a ski competition or you know gymnastics or a golf match and you're just like oh i don't this isn't the national championship but this is a prestigious event and some of the best in the world are going to go after it. All right, let's watch. Let's see how it turns out. I love it. Yeah. So my, my thing is that I want to have like basically like a series for these people. So you have like, all right, you have, again, these same individuals that we're talking about right now. Right. But, but, you know, maybe it's more diverse, but you have just like a string of events. So you say you have 10 days and you're like, we're going to run, we're going to run the marathon. We're going to run the mile. We're going to run the 3,000. We're going to run the 5K and we're going to run the 10K and then we're going to run the half. And you're just going to have to deal with it. And everyone has to deal with it. 10 to 14 days, right? And then like you space it out. So like you have the mile, right? Then the next day, or they say two days later, you have the 3,000, right? Three days later, you have the 5K. Three days later, you have the 10K. Three days later, you have the half, Yeah. right? And then you have the men and women on different days. So you have like, oh yeah. So, bam, so bam, you bam. stagger it. So it's so like, so it'd be like, say, women's mile next day, men's mile next day, women's three thousand next day, men's three thousand day off, women's five k, men's five k day off, women's ten k, then men's ten k day off, and then half marathon, and then half marathon, and you keep them all in the bubble. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And I think that the elephant in the room is that we know that times absolute quality of times would be diminished in that environment but that's fine you know like they're not going to set an american record or a world record but i think sometimes we lull ourselves into believing like oh we have to talk about this track meet where no one's going to set the world record as though anyone could set the world record today you know and um i think the type of thing you're talking about is that like it's like a lot of things a lot of sports don't have don't you know they don't have a world record uh list to hold themselves to so a golf match they just like cut the grass however they cut the grass that day and then it's like who can manage it right and if you have like that two-week model then you have like the potential storytelling like happening within the week yeah like someone's always managing that hamstring how's that hamstring 
And then they're no, out I'm in thinking front more like think, the real world. You get like the confessional. Like everybody has oh, to go to the yeah, confessional yeah. for like 10 minutes. <laughs> now this is really dating me from all the people who are listening to this who are in my age group or maybe older. Like the confessional going back to like MTV real world. Like everyone had to go in there for like 15 minutes every week. So like sometimes it'd, like, it'd be nothing. Other times it'd be like this really dramatic thing. But you have this situation where everyone has to talk. So, and it's like, you know, you see the same thing now, I guess, on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette where you would then you'd have to like forced interaction with yeah, like what you have to say obligation. right so some people would still give you like coach speak and some people would be like god i sucked <laughs> during that yeah and i don't know if i'm gonna do well tomorrow like i'm really kind of emotional about it or whatever right and then you like you have a quick turnaround right it's not gonna be live but you have that quick turnaround uh within that two-week span yeah i know i think that stuff is gonna be fun because i mean i've often thought about how like some of those interviews are not necessarily objectively helpful for the athlete to per- perform better. And so you're like, oh yeah, opening up before or after. I mean, you hear some of these press conferences and they're pouring their guts out and you think, I don't know if that's better for them, but it's certainly entertaining and it's certainly part of the storytelling of like what they're going through and it makes it dramatic. Um, it's like the NBA. People say like the NBA players would not, you know, shower, put on a suit and go give an interview after each game, except for they're contractually obligated. And so they do. And you get all sorts of thoughts. And some, some of it's redundant. You, night in night out but you you know how they're doing um and i feel like our sport kind of like has i mean i was saying to my buddy the other day i'm like the best thing about our sport is that it's so niche that uh i gave a shout out to tiana bartoletta for just being amazing and she just hits me back on instagram like thanks so much (laughs) (laughs) i'm like lebron doesn't do that to every fan who tags him but we are like in a sport where you can just tag your favorite runner and they like it and they say like hey thanks for giving me a shout out i'm going to reshare that um and so i think we should lean into that more and i think a format like you're talking about would totally be like oh i missed day three and day four but day five let's see what they got going yeah no kidding all right we could do this forever we're gonna get going yeah um thank you so much for hopping on plug plug your new stuff because you're putting out some really good really good writing Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I've been writing for years. I started really with primarily with race recaps around Boston and Chicago. Um, and I put those up on peterbronka.com. But then I started a newsletter about a year ago, because I was writing essays about my races. And people would say, how can I make sure that I see it? And I said, I'm not totally sure because with Instagram, or um, you don't know who will see what. And so I created um, on peterbronka.com, you can sign up for my newsletter that I've started writing weekly. Uh, I call it the positive split, which is just about that idea of that moments of tension in the sport. And I've been writing at medium length about different thoughts I've had around injury, about Boston, about all, all things in the sport. And then also trying to highlight some of the most emotional moments. I'm definitely not like a rundown of what happened in the week kind of newsletter. Cause I think people are doing that really well. And, didn't see a absence in that space, but I um, have been trying to highlight the things that I've seen oftentimes on Instagram or on YouTube that I felt were more emotional and more like the tension of the human side of it. Um, and so, yeah, the, the positive split.com or peterbronka.com and um, emailing out typically on Thursday mornings. And it's been really fun because I feel like it's connected me to this community of people who want to geek out on those experiences. So for, you know, for instance, last week I wrote about injury and I just got a flood of emails about like, thank you so much. I'm sitting in the PT's office right now, reading your note, thinking about injury 
and I feel seen, I feel like acknowledged for what I'm going through. And I'm like, oh, if I can do that, that means so much. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's really good stuff. I advise anyone to take a look at it for sure, because while you're really fast, these are not topics and you're not talking about things that are, you know, designed for people of certain, you know, ability. This is oh, runners, no. yeah, yeah. any genre, any speed, any type. It's that unifying thing that so many of us are going through and you go into it, you know, while you'll you'll take a big topic on, but you'll go into very specific points within it, which I think is very interesting. So, definitely check that out. I know I'm I'm a, I was an early subscriber. You know what I mean? I was oh, like yeah. the guy. I was like the guy who like who liked the band before everyone else liked the band. <laughs> but I, uh... yeah, 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 you're here. <laughs> All right, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast. Uh, this was a pretty typical conversation with Peter and I. We just happened to be recording it uh, at one point. We just basically said we got to cut this off. <laughs> we can't. We can't go for two hours. One hour is certainly enough. Uh, also, big shout out to Paper Trails Greeting Company and Prevenex. I love these guys so much. If you haven't checked out Paper Trails Greeting Company, you got to do it. I mean, so many things are electronic now, and I think that's wonderful, but it also makes those handwritten notes even more valuable. And if you're going to be sending on those notes, why not get something that fits your you know, your interests, your characteristics as a dedicated amateur runner. And that's exactly what they do. So thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. If you've been listening closely the past couple of weeks, you know, the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit, the registration will start November 23rd. We're two weeks away from this going live. I cannot wait. I honestly, I cannot wait to really put this out in the world. I know that it will help you if you're looking to have the best running year of your life. Sign up. It's going to go live January 15th, but tickets are coming out November 23rd. And I just, to tell, I can't even put words how excited I am about this. I am just so excited. So uh, I'm not going to try. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.